Welcome back to another episode of the Enwada podcast. My name is Cecilia Manzini from the Enwada team, and you're about to drop into a conversation I had a while back with Brian Rusling. So Brian is an angel investor who invests in companies with a particular focus on positive social and environmental impact. So earlier in the year, um, Brian and I spoke about impact investing and how investors can help to accelerate sustainability along global supply chains, and particularly how investors can also support their investees in order to accelerate positive impact. It was a short but very rich conversation with insights I'm sure our audience will appreciate. So enjoy. So hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Enwada podcast. Uh, today, we have Brian Rusling joining us from the UK. Um, and Brian, you define yourself as an angel investor in impact companies. So maybe we can start there. You can tell us exactly what you mean by that. Yeah, I'm high. I'm effectively, I invest in startup companies. And I try and focus in companies who will make a positive impact, be that an environmental or a social impact um, on the areas that they operate. And, you know, within that, that's a very wide remit. But what I like to do is pick out companies that can make a serious difference in the areas where they operate. And I try and help those companies as much as I can. And, you know, there are examples of that, like, for example, and wider who um, have an important role in monitoring supply chains to other companies such as um, ones in the agricultural environment that are doing things like vertical farming, so trying to increase the yields of crops as the population of the world grows bigger and bigger, or a company like Luwot that has developed a new toilet that doesn't need sewage systems, so it can go into um, developing markets without having to have the infrastructure built around them that allows people to have, should we say, the, the pleasures of a toilet in their house. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, because it seems like such a, a basic thing, but it's it's so important, right, in, in someone's livelihood. Well, it's very important, but it also, um, the whole issue here in my mind is the, you know, a lot of developed worlds have the infrastructure that has been built over centuries that allow the society to deal um, with the things around um, cleanliness and health related to sewage systems. You know, in many developing markets, you don't have that infrastructure and the cost of building it would be so astronomical um, that it's not being done. So developing a product which allows people to have a toilet where the waste is taken away uh, without using a sewage system, um, i.e. the waste is kept in bags, which are then um, collected each week and it's taken away and it generates electricity itself in a plant where it's taken to. Wow. It makes a huge difference. And so, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning, you know, environmental, uh, social uh, social impact. Do you want to maybe um, dig in a little bit about what exactly you mean by, by impact? I, I guess environmental is the very simple one. That's, you know, that's what we call clean tech. So it's reducing the amount of CO2 produced in the world um, and allowing, you know, climate change to be, um, should we say, ameliorated. Um, social impact is more difficult. Um, but, you know, when I look at a company, I, I look at it and I say, how does this help? the area that it operates in and the society that it operates in and can that be scaled into other areas um, so let, let's take a, another example for you uh, would be a company that um, creates little what are called internet of things so iot devices that go into wastewater systems and they judge how much water is going through the wastewater systems because in many many countries when you have big rainfalls and huge floods, the wastewater systems get overrun 
And what happens is the water companies then re release um, the water into rivers. And in a lot of cases, this is taking sewage straight into rivers. So what this company's IoT device will do will measure the impact of what the water levels are in the wastewater systems. They then combine that with AI with weather forecasts, and they can then shunt around the system to make sure that it's ready for the deluge of water that's coming down, which means that the water company doesn't have to really re release sewage into the system. Um, so things like that. Um, yeah. There are other examples like a company that um, does training for the elderly on how to go online. Um, and, you know, it helps them understand because everything now is going online um, for even the most simpler things. And, you know, even in the UK, there are basically 5 million people who are, um, should we say, digitally excluded. And, you know, increasingly, if they want access to their bank account or if they want access to, you know, getting online groceries or something like that, they have a problem. Um, and so this company trains um, these people um, and how to use computers, mobile phones and things like that. Um, so that, that to me is a basic impact um, that I can, I can put my finger on. I know it's a positive mm. impact for society. Right. So, so positive impact, there's that, and then there's um, philanthropy. Um, how would you distinguish between those two? That's a very, very difficult question. I mean, to a certain extent, there's a very fine dividing line. Uh, philanthropy, one does without expecting a return. I'm doing impact investing, and I'm expecting a return. And certainly, as time goes on in impact investing, the statistics tell you that there's no reason why I can't expect as good a return through my impact investments as I would expect through doing other unquoted venture capital investments. Now, you know, that's still early days because impact investing has only been around the best part of sort of eight to 10 years and is now really, really popular. But I think we should not expect to have less of a return. Um, so I'm not doing it from a philanthropic perspective. <laughs> you can just about get that word out. Um, but, you know, the, it, there is a background of philanthropy in there. Yes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, given also the fact that, you know, well, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, with, with COVID, but also the kind of like talk of, of rebuilding post-COVID, you know, the really uptake on like, you know, investors uh, really prepared to like put their money in, you know, social and environmental impact companies um, will really, yeah, we're, we're expecting to see that kind of like growth and uptake. Um, I would, it would be interesting also to hear, to hear your thoughts about that too, you know, post-COVID and, and how that may affect the landscape. No, undoubtedly. I think people have become much more aware of, for example, health. I mean, health would be would be the simple impact area. I mean, I find it quite complicated um, on the health side. So, you know, things like product development, drug development, et cetera. I mean, you could say that's impact and, and you can directly put your finger on it. I find that um, there's certain areas where I don't have the background or I don't have the expertise to invest in that area. So I don't really go there. Health as a service I will go to, and I have done some investments in health as a service, because I think there's a direct impact, especially on elderly and aging. But I would expect the COVID um, situation as we come out of it, for people to be much more aware. I mean, I guess two things are the most obvious. One is people have had a lot more time um, to think about these things. The other one is that people have seen quite a lot of misery um, and quite a lot of, um, should we say, torture going on in the wider world. And they feel through empathy or through their own um, motivations that they want to do something about it. And therefore, impact is quite a, a logical space to go to. 
Would you like to discuss this with us? Be sure to reach out to us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or visit us on www.nwida.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for that, Brian. And, uh, you know, you spoke about health. Um, and we, of course, are in the sustainability, global supply chain, responsible sourcing kind of space. Um, so it'd be interesting to also kind of like dig into your brain there about how you think investors specifically can help to accelerate sustainability and the move towards sustainability um, along global supply chains specifically. Yeah, I, I think the global su- supply chain issue is is a very big issue that is is only just, quite frankly, starting um, to, to get into the headlines. Um, and, you know, in, in the modern world, it, it's far too simple for people just to say, I'll have the cheapest because that's that that's that one. I'll have that one. Um, and they order it online, et cetera. And I, I think one of the things that has come out of, of COVID is people are spending a little bit more time on thinking about these things. And, and therefore, people are looking at it saying, well, OK, I can buy this from over there or I could buy it from over there. What brand do I want to buy from? And how important is that to me? And I think that will become increasingly important going forward, especially with the geopolitics that seem to be going on in the world. And consequently, supply chains will be more important. And we will have as consumers to be given more information on supply chains. And with that information, then comes the responsibility from our own personal perspective about whether we actually do anything about that. Now, you know, from a sustainability perspective, there are a number of elements there. You know, we are all becoming much more aware of sustainability and climate change, and therefore we should be thinking about these things more deeply. Um, but, you know, there are seven and a half billion people in this world. How they all deal with this and how they individually deal with this is very difficult to tell. But as an investor, you can make very specific choices about where you put your investment and at the same time, how you influence those companies and what they do and how much pressure you put on them to make sure that their supply chains are sustainable, are actually monitored, and that the companies do take responsibility for their supply chains if they want your custom as a, a, a purchaser. So, so then speaking of, of, of what you just mentioned about, you know, the investors uh, putting pressure then on, on those companies, what kind of insights do you think would be useful for them to be able to, to really do that effectively? Kind of by insight, I also had in mind insight on the working conditions, but there could be other insight as well. Yeah. And, and here I think there's, there's a, a real, there's an education role that is going to happen over the next five to 10 years. And, you know, as an investor, I guess you have different types of investors. You have retail investors, you have institutional investors, and then I would put as a separate category, angel investors like myself. Retail investors, I guess the issue is when they see a company doing something which they see or think is wrong, then they can either sell their shares or they can um, complain and clamor to the management about something. Institutional investors should be doing much more work because they have fiduciary duty on behalf of their the people they're holding the funds for, to do much more work on the companies that they hold shares in. And then you have the angel investors who are much more picky and much more able to make choices because they are only acting on their own behalf. But there are people out there who are doing work on these things, who are doing work to educate institutional investors. So Planet Tracker is something I use uh, and get their information. They're quite good on putting out things there that show you what is going on. I would like to see companies being much more forward about giving information 
on where their products come from, uh, where their factories are based, um, what resources they are using to have their products produced, um, and also some sort of, um, should we say, qualitative data that helps me make a decision that I think this is sustainable. Now, what that qualitative data is, is very tricky to tell because, you know, you're talking about a very wide audience and different audiences. You know, as an angel investor, I can do much more work on that because I'm closer to the companies, closer to the, the management of the companies that I'm invested in. And so, you know, you can ask the companies about how they produce their goods. Where does the, the, um, the resources come from? How they're dealing with their suppliers, etc. So you can do that much easier and much more detailed conversations with the companies about that, I guess. Yeah. And speaking then of that, yeah, I, I love the approach that you've just mentioned because it's a very like hands-on approach, you know, when supporting um, these companies in, in, in their kind of like products on that then and, and still sticking with the sustainability kind of like supply chain space. Um, if you could ask investors, you know, who are, who are in startups you to do one thing well when it comes to supporting their investees, specifically in order to accelerate positive impact, what would that be? That's a really tricky question. I mean, in reality, because that obviously then depends on what the company's doing. Um, so, you know, if, if you, for example, you were, um, if, if you were a company producing a fashion item of some form, you would say, you know, I want you to look at your supply chains and make sure, I don't know, water use, for example. So if you think about fashion and, and you think about things like cotton um, um, shirts and things like that, well, water use is one of the crucial resources um, that is used and uses a huge amount. Um, and the question is to make sure that that water use um, is done responsibly. And, and that is all to do with how much you use as well as um, whether or not you damage the water that then goes into the public waterways, etc. So, you know, that would be one type of company. I guess you would have another type of company that might um, be producing something that is done in metal. So you would say, okay, let's make sure that you're that the steel that you use um, is coming from the most sustainable potential way possible. And so, you know, is the steel works using renewable energy? Now, at the moment, I know that's not really been done, but, you know, you would want to have some sort of path going forward for the next 10, 15 years, which would move towards sustainability. Um, so that, that's the, there's actually quite an interesting issue here, which is the carrot or the stick. And, you know, the issue about you coming into a company and beating them with a stick to make them change, I think is quite a dangerous way of approaching things. I think you need to encourage change over time. Now, obviously, if nothing happens, then one has to take a view about whether or not you can use a stick. But in most cases, unless you're a very, very significant shareholder, the stick is not an option. Yeah, Sure, that's that, that's so good. And I actually just want to dive into that for, for a moment before I ask you my last question. Of um, we mentioned then, you know, encouraging encouraging change. Um, what are some of the ways do you think? Um, yeah, specifically the role of an investor then is in really encouraging encouraging that change. Well, it's a mindset um, role that you can help encourage change, and you know, it could be anything from trying to get the company to think differently about the way it's using a resource. And, you know, that mindset role can just help them um, sort of, you know, many companies are focused on how much cash they're using, how many, how, how much revenues they're generating, how much profit they're making. You know, if you can get them to think about the resource they're using and 
educate them if that's needed about different ways of using that resource, which could actually generate um, higher profitability for the company itself. And you know, you then see the founder's eyes go, oh, now that's a good idea. And suddenly you can see that process happening. Now you don't have to go from you know, no sustainability to 100% sustainability straight away, but you can take the steps and have a plan that goes all that way through. And through encouraging the company to think differently about how it uses the resources it's using, you hopefully can get them to be more sustainable and potentially more profitable. And WIDER conducts due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. We have new products and functionalities for simple and effective worker engagement, including multiple technology channels to survey workers, diverse standard surveys to measure better practices, and offer more detailed insights on particular issues facing workers. Soon, we will also be releasing our worker engagement benchmarks to better identify the biggest challenges regarding working conditions in various sourcing regions and sectors around the world. If you'd like to know how we use simple, smart mobile tech and support to gather anonymous insight from workers, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at Sure. That's, that's so good. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I promised on my last question. Um, earlier, we spoke about, you know, the kind of like uptake that we're going to be seeing in the next few years of like people who are interested in the impact space and, and investors wanting to actually, you know, be more intentional about investing in, in sustainable or, or green businesses. But now specifically looking at investors who are already active in the impact space, how do you think, if at all, COVID will change the decisions or methods or even their ethos? in their activity within the impact space? Well, I, I hope that those investors who are already invested in the impact space will, will be patient with their investments. Because one of the issues of the COVID time that we're in is in many cases, a lot of companies haven't been able to operate in the way that they would want to operate. Some have been very lucky that they've been in an area that has benefited to a certain extent from COVID, but most haven't. And so as investors, I think one has to recognize that the last year and a half has been really difficult and companies will not have performed the way they want to have performed. And to a certain extent, the issue is whether the team in the company is operating as as best it can. And you as an investor need to encourage the company to get through this because they will have generated, in most cases, less revenues than they expected to generate and they need help. And so as an investor already in a company, we need to help them to get through this because yeah. hopefully in a year's time, the environment will be very different. Mm-hmm. Sure. Brian, thank you so much really just for your commitment to impact um, and for your time chatting with us uh, today. Okay. Thank you for listening. <laughs> That's it from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms to keep up to date with all things and wider and look out for our next installment. Goodbye.